When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One more chance One more chance One more chance Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of anything by Northeast Ohio's Tyrone Hornbuckle. Tyrone is our featured Ohio musical artist tonight, so hang on with us to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you all about him and let you listen to that entire song. But right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everybody. Steve, question for you. Who would you nominate as the most influential human being of the past 1,000 years? And, you know, give me three names. Give you three names? Okay. okay. First, I'd say King Henry VIII, because... It made a change in Catholicism in England to Protestant, and it was just a big, giant change of, you know, religion back then. It would Protestant was kind of new, and Catholicism kind of ruled the Pope. The Pope would actually crown all the kings, so that that was a big move, I think. Okay. Uh, another one, I would say, uh, his daughter Elizabeth the First. Uh, she was very influential. She, uh, there was women who would stay virgins their whole life because of her. They just, she was just a very excellent leader. And again, she just, she was just somebody that everybody admired back then. All right. Uh, How about number three? I'd also say Gabriel Princep. Gabriel who? Yeah. He was the uh, guy who murdered the Archduke uh, Ferdinand. To start, oh, World that started War. World War One. And without him, there would be no World War One. There'd be no World War Two. There'd probably no be no Vietnam War. Oh wow! You are like you are the king of European history. I told these are interesting choices. I totally see why you went there. What if I asked you to expand your list to add one or two Ohioans? Ohioans. Yeah. As the most influential people in the next last thousand years, wow! Thousand years? Can you can you think of one or two? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, the Wright brothers? Yeah, you know what? That's a good one. I mean, imagine what air travel has done for the world. Right. Two hundred years ago, just two hundred years ago, you couldn't go from Cleveland to Columbus in six hours, but today 
you can be stepping onto an entirely different continent in less than six hours. Imagine how that has changed the world. Right. Well, in the year 2000, to celebrate the end of the last millennium, Life magazine picked a panel to create their list of the 100 most influential human beings of the past 1,000 years. Now, they're number three, and this kind of goes along with your idea of the first one being that religion was very important. Their number three was Martin Luther, who obviously changed not only religion, but worldwide politics. Right. Their number two, Christopher Columbus. I mean, he basically discovered the other half of the world. You can imagine what it did to Europe and the world's economies to reveal not one, but two huge continents full of resources that not only changed the economy, but sadly also the fate of so many Aboriginal societies. That's true. But their number one came from right here in the Buckeye State. <laughs> I can tell you're going to be surprised. It was Ohio's own Thomas Edison. And here is their argument, and I'm quoting, he gave humans the power to create light without fire. Because of him, the millennium will end in a wash of brilliant light rather than torchlit darkness. Now, you know, Edison not only created the light bulb for people to be able to use it, he had to create the electric industry, connecting businesses and homes to a central power source. Imagine a world without electricity. Here's what else you can take away if you take away Edison. Movies, TV, radio, recorded music, copy machines, even telephones. You know, history records Alexander Bell as being granted the telephone patent, but his telephone really didn't work. History recognized that Thomas Edison is the man who fixed the phone so it could actually be used. But here's what you may not know. The man who gave the world the ability to record sound was deaf, profoundly deaf. Thomas Edison couldn't hear a thing in one ear and his good ear functioned at 20%. Oh, he, oh. he used, did you know that? I, I had no idea. Yeah, he used Morse code, like a sign language, to communicate to his closest friends and colleagues. I found a story about how when he and his wife would go to a theater, she would tap the code out on his legs so he knew what the actors were saying. Here's a fun clip with Thomas Edison. On his 84th birthday, someone passed him some interview questions on a piece of paper, and he answered them. This reference to his hearing loss made me chuckle, since it made him chuckle, too. You'll see. What do you think of the sound uh, pictures of today? Yeah, what I think of the talking pictures. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I never heard one. <laughs> By the way, even though this video wasn't marked, I'm 95% sure the guy who's asking the question, he's doing it out loud for the benefit of the public, is another one of Ohio's famous sons, Harvey Firestone, who founded Firestone Tire and Rubber in Akron. Firestone, Edison, and Henry Ford were famously best friends. But here's our mystery tonight. What caused Thomas Edison's deafness? It's actually up for debate. 
Edison himself gave two different stories, then seemed to recant them later. And that opened the door for modern-day physicians and auditory experts to come up with their own theories. And I'm tickled as pink that there's a debate at all, because that qualifies it as a mystery. It gives me a really good excuse to tell you about one of Ohio's most amazing citizens. From his birthplace in Milan, Ohio, to the courtship of his wife in Akron, to his many and varied successes. And we'll close with the medical debate on that deafness. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Let's start on February 11, 1847, Milan, Ohio. A breathless Samuel Ogden Edison hurries through the snowy night to the home of Dr. Laman Galpin. Galpin answers the rap on his door. It's time, Samuel Edison tells him. Dr. Galpin puts on his cape and hat and rushes to a modest two-story brick home on a bluff overlooking the Milan Canal. In a small first-floor bedroom, Dr. Galpin assists Nancy Edison as she delivers her seventh and final child. Samuel and Nancy name him Thomas. The Edison parents were Canadian. They had moved to the United States in the hopes of improving their economic condition. Milan, in northwest Ohio, had a canal that accessed Lake Erie, and that had turned the small but growing town into a grain shipping port. Plenty of work there for a shingle maker like Samuel. As a matter of fact, the year Thomas Edison was born was the community's peak year of commerce. For the next seven years, young Thomas and his siblings swam in the canal in the summer and skated on it in winter. Their house in the woods on the hill was a great location for imaginative adventures in June and sled riding in January. But progress can take as well as give. And when the railroad came through town, it doomed the canal and the community that depended on it. The Edisons moved on to the rising community of Port Huron, Michigan. Thomas wasn't a good student. The teacher in his one-room schoolhouse described him as addle-brained. Furious, his mother, a former schoolteacher herself, took him out of school. Her son was smart and creative and imaginative, and if they didn't know how to nurture his talents, she'd do it herself. From that point on, Thomas was homeschooled. Thomas Edison always insisted his hearing loss started at the age of 12. As one story went, he was working as a newsboy on the Grand Trunk Railway when a baggage handler lifted him into a car by his ears. He said he felt a sharp pain. He later said it was the day the birds stopped singing. 
Edison's hearing loss was gradual, increasing every year until later, as an adult, he considered himself completely deaf, though he kept a little hearing in one ear for someone who knew how to lean in and speak loudly. In another person, it might have been a tragedy. To Edison, it motivated him to change the world. Young Thomas loved to hang out at the telegraph office, where the station master patiently put up with him, coming by to hear the clicking machine. Thomas was like a dog, able to hear the silent whistle. While it was becoming harder to hear human voices, the machine tapping out those dots and dashes were as clear as could be. One day, Thomas saw the station master's young son wander onto the tracks before an oncoming train, and he reacted quickly, running to his rescue. The station master was so grateful, he offered to teach Thomas the telegraph. And that became Edison's first occupation. He was an itinerant telegrapher, going wherever he was needed. Twice, the job took him back home to his home state, providing work in Cincinnati. But all the while, Edison was thinking about how to improve that telegraph. His very first invention was a telegraph that could record a message at regular speed, but play it back slower so the receiver had more time to write it down. It was a huge boon to the industry and made him so much money he could open his first factory. He did it in Newark, New Jersey. He made and sold several new telegraph inventions, including the Wall Street stock ticker. That's that device that continually updated investors on how a stock was doing based on buying and trading throughout the day. During this period, Edison also married one of his employees, Mary Stilwell. He was 24, she was 16, and they went on to have three children together. Edison was earning himself a small fortune, enough for him to build his dream laboratory. And he started employing a stable of creative minds who would help him with his future inventions. The Wizard of Menlo Park was born. About this time, Alexander Bell was becoming a household name for his invention of the telephone. Problem was, nobody could use it. The voice on the receiving end was barely audible, and the telephone line couldn't extend far without losing all sound. It was Edison's deafness that motivated him to fix that. He spent months researching how to lift the volume, get the line to accurately transfer the human voice, and enable the communication to take place over a great distance. Basically, Edison turned Bell's toy into a household appliance. Next, the phonograph. If the telephone could move human voice over a line, was there a way to record it? Of course there was. His first device was a hand-cranked grooved cylinder wrapped in tin foil. It kind of looked like a lathe. Then he learned how to record sound on disc records. Edison spent years improving his invention. Edison made headlines with that one, by the way, and he really started endearing himself to the American public. He was actually very charming and witty. Next came the big one. Now, Edison did not invent the light bulb. Several folks had been working on that one for half a century. 
And Ohio's own Charles Brush is credited with creating the arc lamp that allowed cities to use street lamps. As you may know, Cleveland was the first city in America to light its streets. But nobody had found a safe and practical way to put light into homes and businesses. The breakthrough came when Edison found the perfect filament and developed the electric system that would allow many buildings to get power from a single source. In 1879, Edison lit up his Menlo Park laboratory with the incandescent light bulb, and the world was never quite the same. In 1884, Edison's devoted wife, Mary, died of typhoid fever. Two years after that, he started courting his second wife in Akron, Ohio. Her name was Mina Miller, and she was the bright, well-educated daughter of another successful millionaire inventor, Lewis Miller. He courted her by taking her on carriage rides through Akron's Glendale Cemetery, a scenic place that doubled as a park because it had scenic bridges and water features and picnic grounds. Thomas taught Mina Morse code, he said, so they could communicate easily, but also secretly when their families were around. Middle-aged Thomas was quite romantic. He kept journals and wrote about Mina in flowery language. In one entry, he talked about the moon being the tip of a triangle, whose baseline stretched between wherever he was and Akron, Ohio, the home of his love. In 1886, Edison placed his hand over Mina's and tapped in Morse code, Will you marry me? She tapped back yes. Edison built Mina a new home in West Orange, New Jersey, and she gave him three more children. It was also there that Edison built a new 20-acre laboratory and factory complex that grew to employ 10,000 people. While many people might agree the light bulb and the electric industry were the pinnacle of Edison's achievements, Edison saw his next invention as being even more of a game changer. Motion pictures. Nothing, he said, compared to motion pictures informing the thoughts and habits of the entire world. His invention was called the kinetoscope. It was the first moving camera. To see the movie, you had to put your eyes up to a box and watch the movie inside. Then, as he often did, he went on to improve it, creating a camera that would project the moving image onto a screen so a wider audience could see it. With both the phonograph and moving pictures, Thomas Edison always thought the greatest and most obvious use were educational ones, teaching, preserving history, relaying news. As the years went on, he was fascinated to see his phonograph become more associated with music and his moving pictures taken over by actors and directors and the fledgling movie industry. He didn't mind. He said the great mission of his inventions was to make people happy. And if music and movies were making people happy, then so be it. Thomas Edison died in 1931 at his New Jersey home at the age of 84. At the request of President Herbert Hoover, 
families were asked to shut off their lights for one minute on the day of his funeral to honor him with a reminder of what life was like before Thomas Edison. Hoover said he also had entertained a suggestion that the nation shut off all electrical power sources for that one minute. But then he learned just how bad that would be. So many things depended on electricity, from hospitals to elevators to water plants. There was a good chance that shutting down the nation's power for even 60 seconds would result in one or more deaths. And that, as it turns out, was the point Hoover was trying to make. He said, This demonstration of the dependence of the country upon electrical current for its life and health is in itself a monument to Mr. Edison's genius. So, let's get to tonight's mystery. I told you the story earlier in this episode that Edison thought his hearing loss was caused at the age of 12. His most often reported story was that at the time he had a job riding the rails between Port Huron and Detroit, selling sandwiches, candy, peanuts, and newspapers to the passengers. Here's the incident in his own words. I was trying to climb into the freight car with both arms full of heavy bundles of paper. I ran after it and caught the rear step, hardly able to lift myself. A train man reached over and grabbed me by the ears and lifted me. I felt something snap inside my head, and the deafness started from that time and has progressed ever since. Earache came first, then a little deafness, and this deafness increased until at the theater I could only hear a few words now and then. But other times Edison told a different story. He said he was hit on the ears by a train conductor because he had started this makeshift chemical laboratory in one of the boxcars and it caught fire. The conductor threw young Thomas and his apparatus from the moving train. But both of those stories were thrown into doubt when some of Edison's closest friends said late in life he confided that neither event actually occurred, though he stuck by his contention that his hearing loss started at the age of 12. So, if he didn't get thrown from a moving train or lifted by the ears, what could have happened? One of Edison's biographers, Paul Israel, said there was evidence that Thomas had suffered numerous ear infections as a child. That certainly could have done the job. Back in Edison's day, there were no antibiotics. An infection would have had to resolve on its own or smolder for years, causing damage. Really bad infections can turn into meningitis. In 1905 and 1908, a middle-aged Edison had to be treated for a huge abscess behind his ear, close to the brain, requiring surgical drainage. So as bad as complete deafness can be, it could have gotten much worse for him. There were also some suggestions that Edison had suffered a bad bout of scarlet fever as a boy. One of the most serious results of scarlet fever was deafness, so that could certainly have been it. Modern-day ear surgeons have tossed out a couple of other diagnoses. Autosclerosis, an abnormal growth of the middle ear bones, and cholestioma, a skin growth in the middle ear, 
they would both be consistent with what is known of Edison's medical history and his hearing loss. Well, we'll never know for sure, but it's hard to feel bad for him. Edison said when he started losing his hearing as a boy, he spent enormous amounts of time in the library. He said he didn't read a few books. He read the library, starting with a book on one shelf and not stopping until he consumed them all. Later, he was grateful that his deafness excused him from small talk, allowed him to keep conversation short when he didn't want to put in the effort, and allowed him to be what he called a two-shift man, working up to 16 hours a day. Not to mention, as you can see in most of his inventions, providing the inspiration to make life better, easier, or more entertaining for all of us. My deafness, he said, has not been a handicap, but a help to me. So, Steve, what do you think? Any surprises here? Yes. Uh, first of all, I didn't know he was deaf. That was, uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, as far as uh, the story about how he went deaf, I mean, it, it has to be more than some guy grabbing his ear and picking him up, you know, I'm, especially if he started going deaf in the other ear as well. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know enough about how that would work, except I thought it was really interesting that he later told friends that he had made up the stories about being picked up and being thrown off the train. Uh, that was that was an odd Right. Condition. I could uh-huh. see if something happened to where it affected the one ear, but for both ears to pretty much start going deaf, it kind of tells me that there was something lingering there. I will say that the whole idea of him being deaf and being inspired to such incredible, you know, innovations really, yeah, I, what a role model. I hope people who are struggling with their own, you know, disabilities or, you know, inabilities to do certain things can find inspiration in that because how amazing is that? Right. Uh, a man who is almost completely deaf has inventions that require you to hear. It's pretty amazing. Maybe that's what it took. You know, it took somebody who was limited to say, wait a minute, I we've got to work this out. They say necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> right. Right. And before we close, I, I want to th- I got to throw something out here because I did not mention Nikola Tesla in this story at all. And I know if I don't mention him, I'm going to get a ton of emails. But Thomas Edison and Nicholas Tesla. Nicholas Tesla was a, a Serbian-American who was a great inventor and did some remarkable things. He used to work for Thomas Edison, and then he left on his own and, and ended up with a bunch of patents. There was a big rivalry the, their entire life. Thomas Edison invented direct current, which is DC, okay. and Nikola Tesla invented AC, which is alternating current. So there you got your AC-DC. And there are huge Tesla fans. I, you know, it's really kind of sad because Nikola Tesla did not get the credit in his lifetime that he should have for his contributions. He died impoverished. I mean, he, you know, he was destitute. And I hate that. I hate when I hear about people who die before they they get the credit for, you know, incredible things they do. But there's no doubt that Tesla contributed a lot to light and the electric industry 
And, it, you know, it, it took a long time for him to get credit, but he's definitely got a huge fan base. And I'll say, when you read, when you find these Nikola Tesla fans, you'll see so much hatred for Thomas Edison <laughs> in their forums and in the things they say. I mean, it is a really visceral rivalry that still goes on today. Right. And I've heard these, I've heard the both sides of the stories and I, I kind of think both of them are obviously great men just because, uh, you know, there's proof that Thomas Edison might've taken some things of uh, Tesla. It, it doesn't mean that he didn't come up with a lot of inventions on his own as well. So I think that, you know, they're, they're both great men. One of them just had more credit for it. Yeah. And don't forget, Edison had a factory of inventors. You know, if you work for a factory and you invent something, it belongs to the company that you work for. So Thomas Edison would come up with ideas and he would go to these inventors that worked for him and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he guided them through it. There is not, no bad takeaway from that. I mean, you're still the person who, you know, inspired those innovations, brought together the group of people to help you make it happen. There is nothing wrong with that. I mean, millennials are famously great for collaborations. Thomas Edison was probably a millennial before a millennial. You know, we do what the term meant. But collaboration is a great thing. And the fact that he would give a job to these people who had, you know, great uh, minds themselves and brought them together and worked with them to create things. I mean, he had over a thousand patents. And yeah, a lot of those patents came because other people, you know, helped him achieve that. But that's what he did. He had an invention lab. And that's what they did. And uh, that still happens today. Right. And I think the key thing you said there is innovation. Thomas Edison inspired innovation where Tesla could not. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tesla. Tesla was great. He, he was yeah. a great mind. But really, the driving force was Thomas Edison during that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it for tonight, campers. Remember, photos, links, and more on this and every episode are on our website, ohiomysteries.com. You'll also find links to our Patreon and PayPal accounts in case you'd like to support us financially. You'll also find tabs that list all of our featured musical artists, a breakdown of all of our episodes by country, year, and genre, and links to all of our episodes in case you have trouble finding the old ones on your podcast app. And now, how about a little bit more on tonight's featured Ohio musical artist? We're featuring Tyrone Hornbuckle. He's a singer, songwriter, and guitarist from Northeast Ohio, who performs as Tyrone's Blues Sensation. So look for him on Facebook to keep up with him because he is a prolific performer. This month, you can find him every Wednesday night at JRZ's Pub in Austintown. He'll also be at the Yellow Dog Saloon and Grill in Cortland on February 19, at Sparky's Place in Conneaut on the 20th, Garrett's Mill and Brewing Company in Garrettsville on the 26th, and Firelands Winery all the way over in Sandusky on the 27th. And that's just this month. If you like tonight's song, be sure to check out his YouTube videos. Lots more good stuff where this came from. Well, let's have another listen to Anything by Tyrone Hornbuckle. And we'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. <laughs>
Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.